Welcome to the pod, everyone. A shout out to SGS. Hey, Rusty, why are we uh, partnering with SGS? Uh, uh, some, some, some good people there. Pretty excited about their sports coaching courses and sports courses. Keen to make them industry ready so when people leave, they're able to go and transfer it to any kind of industries, coaching, teaching, being an analyst, business, whatever it might be. So I think, uh, yeah, I think it's pretty exciting times, really. So what's so special about their degree courses that others wouldn't be doing? I think it'll be lots of uh, real good partnerships, uh, opportunities for people to, to get into different contexts and learn and practice. It'll be feel very applied. People will be stretched and supported and will leave yeah, ready to just go and thrive in the uh, big old world out there. SGS College is the home of Bristol's higher education sports programmes. The programmes are designed to develop unique, innovative and creative sports practitioners ready for industry. Do you want to be a coach or teacher of the future? Start your journey here at SGS College and become more than just a graduate. Visit sgscol.ac.uk to apply now. Rusty, live on our first ever Business pod with Cam Spencer. How are you, mate? You well? Good, mate. Good, mate. Getting there. It's Tuesday. We are progressing through another Groundhog Week, mid-lockdown. And how's uh, and how's the farm? Everything going well? Yeah, mate. We're um, uh, we're surviving. You know, we're uh, we're learning to learning to learn from home. So three kids, three different ages, um, two different approaches to learning from home, four adults in the house. It's uh, it's fun times. The dynamics are fun at the dinner table. What's the uh, two different approaches to learning? Uh, I think because we've got our kids at two different schools, we're seeing uh, we're seeing one that's uh, very very interactive, um, very engaging. Uh, teachers are still very much involved in the conversations with the with the kids and the scheduled classes um, versus a sort of a, we'll push the content and the tasks out to you you get it done and you send it back to us and, and we'll give you some give you some feedback so interestingly you know, I suppose now this is the what the third time that we we've, we've all done this and the kids have done this they've, they've learned to adapt they've learned to work out what works well for them as well what they enjoy what they don't enjoy um but uh yeah it's fun we did find one of our kids who'd gone back to bed in his pjs between lessons this morning so you know sometimes you've got to give him a bit of a nudge <clears throat> and what's the dinner conversations like with the kids what's the are you are you finding out this information <laughs> from the dinner conversations because you're kind of just poking your head around the corner and seeing what's going on with the lessons i think you you, you find Sometimes the dinner conversations are more around how come you knew about that and I didn't know about that. Why? Why we're living in the same house and there's sort of <laughs> gaps in communication flow and it's like, well, hold on, how do we how do we create that that awareness of everything that's going on or do we need to? I think sometimes you get those nice little sort of hidden messages from each other of you know maybe you don't need to know everything. Maybe I need my space in my house. Yeah, maybe maybe you should call the uh, the dinner uh, the board meeting, and it should be very formalised. You can have things that you need to do, an agenda. Well, it's that's really interesting. So, um, 
you know, my my wife talks about how she hated growing up as a kid and and constantly having the the quizzes uh, over the over the dinner conversations. Um, uh, and in my house, it was always about politics. Uh, you know, so it was all about the you know the the, the big topic of the day, which. Look at uh, what's going on in the world around us at the moment. It'd be pretty topical. So I think, strangely, because of our own experiences, uh, our own childhood experiences, we try and steer away from those, uh, those, those quizzes and those uh, those political conversations, and trying to keep it sort of more centered and focused around what do the kids actually enjoy talking about? What's the what's the latest Marvel movie that's coming out? Nice. Oh, well done. That's cool. An amazing insight into. Life with the Spencers. Um, so, uh, do you want do you want to kind of give a brief story of of of, of so far? So, your biography so far. What's been the the highs, the lows, the ouches, the this is amazing type moments. Mate, I'll 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 do my best to try and keep it brief. Um, uh, grew up grew up in Sydney. Grew up in Australia. Um, uh, a life of barefoot and board shorts on the beaches in Sydney, which is kind of cool. Um, uh, left school, uh, joined joined the Australian Army. So I spent the first first part of my working life uh, jumping out of perfectly good aeroplanes, cruising around the world, um, doing all the the boys' own adventure things, which was uh, which was fun. Uh, when a family started to appear. It was uh, it was probably that right moment to say maybe it's time to uh, to start to sort of settle down a little bit. Um, so uh, so left left the uniform environment uh, and jumped into jumped into my first in in the corporate world, which was which was fascinating. My first job, I remember my boss said to me, "Just all I want you to think about is the things that haven't been thought of." And uh, it was it was all about business transformation. It was all about innovation. It was it was a really exciting environment and a relatively easy transition from 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 the military life, which was cool. Um, but then moved from from there into uh, a, a consulting gig. So so went from a, an Australian government organisation to a. French engineering organization to a Swedish based consultancy. So there's, there's a bit of an international flavor that's starting to appear. And, um, and that was cool because that was all about organizational and talent development, um, helping, helping businesses, helping teams get the best uh, from their people, um, which, which then led on to a really interesting opportunity um, uh, which took us now as a, as a growing family out of Sydney, out of the comfort zone. Uh, and we landed in the Middle East, in Doha, in Qatar, um, and spent eight incredible years living in the giant sandpit. Um, we arrived there as a family of four. We left there as a family of five. Um, uh, and that was a fascinating environment to see the rate of change um, that goes on in a place like that. Um, uh, but we decided that also um, uh, for social reasons, family, personal, for, uh, for, for work reasons, it was the right time to leave after eight years. So we decided that um, 
after the Middle East, we're better place to go than 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 Amsterdam, which is probably at the other end of the the, the social the social spectrum in terms of liberal behaviours. And uh, and we had fun there for twelve months, which was great. So um, got used to riding to and from school and work on a bike when it's snowing and it's three degrees. Uh, that was kind of fun. Um, and then uh, and then shifted here to the UK. So um, bit of a career, bit of a career of, of overseas uh, trips, overseas uh, engagements, uh, and now here in the UK, enjoying uh, enjoying the blissful state that we're in. <laughs> nice, nice. Well, there's loads of stuff I want to pick up on. Um, what would uh, I'm going to start with? What would uh, Cam Spencer now say to? The Cam Spencer that was jumping out of perfectly good airplanes. <laughs> Ooh. Um, uh, don't 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 hold back is is probably probably the, the, the thing that I'd say. And what and I guess what I mean by that was that um, when you've got aspirations and you've got uh, intentions to continue to, to always grow and, and, and develop, go for it, try new things, you know, explore. Um, don't kind of uh, lock yourself into uh, expectations from other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, um, you know, I had, had that opportunity to, you know, throughout my career in, in, in all sorts of different, uh, different environments, to be able to sort of sit down and go, you know what, if I'm, if I continue to meet the expectations, this is what everybody's telling me that maybe things will be kind of stunted. Um, maybe I'll, I'll go down a really comfortable path and, and that'll be great. But going outside of the, the, the boundaries sometimes is kind of cool and exploring. So, so I think, mm. yeah, if, if, if I go back to that moment in time, I'd probably say to myself, um, Go, go and explore. Keep going and exploring. Don't, don't hold back. Don't, don't just sit within the, within the boundaries of what's acceptable to other people. But, but see what else you can find out. And, and what did your time in the, in the army help you with? What was the stuff that it's given you now? Ah, uh, listen, it's um, uh, yeah. I was thinking about this the other day, and I, and I think that there's a there's a number of things that it, it gives you, and I'd certainly certainly encouraged anyone growing up thinking about opportunities and careers to consider it. And I think there's, there's, there's connection, there's connection to, to, to people. So some of the, some of the mates that I've got and that I generated um, in, in the military are, are definitely the guys that you'll sort of keep close to for the rest of your life. Um, so that's, that's one thing um, with that, then also comes the realization that um, you know talking about connectedness, um, you know something militaries around the world ha- have as a strength is, is that they are purpose driven, they are service service led. It's it, it's it's about something bigger than the individual, and I think that's pretty powerful. And I think that that in itself was was a lesson that I probably didn't see as clearly while I was I was. Uh, while I was in the army um, until I was jumping around different aspects of the corporate world and, and sort of seeing that, you know what, the, 
the teams and the organisations that tend to do best are the, are the ones that tend to have a, a, a bigger goal in mind, a bigger aspiration, a bigger a bigger purpose, a reason, bigger reason for, for existence. Why, why do they exist? So I think, you know, being able to sort of look back and reflect on, on, on my time in the military was getting an understanding of how important that was of, of having that, that clear and common purpose that whatever role you had, you were connected into that purpose. And that was something that was pretty cool. I think the other thing is, is, is also there's such an emphasis on selflessness um, and with that selflessness, it's, it's all about the team. It's all about the team of teams, environment. Um, uh, it's, it's all about the people that are around you and how, what can you do in order to help and, and, and affect them so that they can do their job to the best of their ability. And, and with that, it's, it's never static. You're never at a point in which you, you you've sort of achieved greatness or or have said, "Yep, that's it. We're done now. We're, we're finished." There's always an there's always an aspect of uh, continuous development. How can we how can we get better at that? You know, how did that go? What did we learn from that? What are we going to do differently next time? And and how can we share that amongst amongst other teams? And so so you know the 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 nature of of the way in which teams operate these days, you know, compared to 20 years ago when I was first in the military, would be vastly different and be far more effective, far more efficient and far more impactful. And that's because of just that rate of continuous learning adaptability that, that, uh, that I guess goes in that sort of that, um, that high performance mindset. And what have you noticed in businesses? Uh, I guess uh, the words you use there, static. I also, having spent a bit of time in the Middle East, and you obviously worked for Qatar Airlines, uh, um, that can be quite a hierarchical, this box sits here, stay in your lane type um, mindset that I've definitely experienced. Was, was that what it was like? Was In which case, like, how do you then start to consider you know mastery skill individualizing stuff especially in you know in a in a gigantic organization well, i mean where do you even start um yeah it's uh, that's a great question listen i think that the first thing is it's um it's a, it's a complex it's a complex environment um you know large organizations are very complex yeah, it's 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 hierarchical it's layered it's process driven there's it's um uh, there's uh, there's the depending on the size of the organization and what it does you know there's the geopolitical um effects as well um it's a, it's a really really complex environment um but I think also what's important in those, in those sorts of environments is you don't want to then start to impose layers of, of complications, you know, through the process or through policy. The, the ideal state is that you start to sort of simplify, you know, how do we, if we're doing a good job in one space, how do we, what, what else can we, we take away that's going to make it even better or, or help people? even more what kind of gets in the way what are those barriers so it's, it's more about that sort of that simplification um, and maybe distilling down to 
you know, the, the, just the key things that make large organisations work. I think the, the other thing that's also really interesting in the, in the corporate space and, and maybe maybe the last 12 months, almost 18 months, people have been, been sort of put into a position where they've had to reconsider how work happens and um, do the, the industrial era hierarchical approaches to uh, to leading organizations are they relevant these days are they are they relevant anymore or is it a more uh, a more networked dynamic less hierarchical um, approach so I think um, you know there's it is a complex environment there's no one easy solution that that helps create business success. Otherwise, every business would be successful. Um, I, I think we've all got to be able to look at every environment, be able to say, Do you know what, it's different. It's because there's humans in it. It's different because there's different market forces. It's different because of the cultural context. It's, you know, I think every organization, every industry faces different challenges um, just simply because of the complexities that, that exist around them. And did you find it like, I mean, you're obviously someone who's, like really keen to get better and learn and I'm definitely want to touch on that at some point, but how do you, how do you do that in a organ? How, how did you do it? How have you looked at doing that in a larger organization where actually people have different motivations and reasons for being there? And, you know, it's, it's quite hard to put everyone in the same box and say, this will work. How, how did you do that? Yeah, it's uh <laughs> Uh, I think learning. What what fascinates me a little bit about the sort of the, the learning, um, the learning environment or the learning culture of organisations is that um, learning is going through itself through a fair uh, constant evolution. Um, uh, I think maybe what tends to happen is that. Um, there was, there was the one size fits all approach. Here's a here's a catalogue of courses because here's what the, the the training team or the learning and development team who are the part of that centre of excellence or centre of expertise they've created this content because they see that it's it's what's best for an organisation. Um, so it's it's kind of expert generated. Um, but where it's it's tending to to sort of evolve to these days, which is great, it's becoming a lot more individualized. You know, what, what about me? I'm different to to the person next to me. I have different needs. I have different different strengths, different motivations. But it's that's a big challenge when you're talking about an organisation that's forty thousand people strong, dispersed in, in in across all continents around the globe. Versus a, a team of, of maybe 100, 150 people that, that, that might be based in, in, a, in a sort of a, a common location. But, but I think what's also interesting is, is um, how learning happens is, I think, is also evolving. So uh, for such a long time in the corporate space, training or learning was just this thing that happened on the side. It was that. In, in some organisations and sectors, it only happens once a year because there's a regulatory requirement. So you, you tick the box, you do the, the e-learning that you, you have to do to, to maintain your certification and that's it. Um, uh, 
Whereas what's really exciting are those environments where it starts to get, get built into the way of work. So, you know, how do we, how do we look at those, those key moments that exist in a, in a daily, in a daily world of work, in a, in a weekly world of work? And how do we, how do we embed learning into that? So, so, so it's not just the course or the e-learning modules or the learning management system that kind of bolts on the side of the operations of the business, but how do we bring learning into, into the operations? So it's, it's part of that, so that continuous, continuous evolution. And I think that's pretty exciting. And that, and that also changes the role of leaders of an organisation as well. So they, they, they're not just the masters of, of expertise. They're not just the masters of, of the content. They're not just the ones that will tell you what to do because they know best, but now they need to be in a position where they, they can nurture that continuous development environment so that, um, uh, so, so that, so that the entire organisation continues to grow and perform and not just meet its regulatory requirements from a learning perspective. You mentioned, I mean, leaders, I mean, and, and give us, I mean, when people say leadership, they say a lot, what are you, what are you thinking about? Uh, <laughs> connection, um, care, attention. Um, uh, I think um, you, if we talk about leaders, leaders have followers. So, you know, what is it that's unique about those leaders to generate a bunch of followers? What, what is it that they do that's, that's mm -hmm. kind of special that influences me to say, do you know what, I like what, I like what they're saying. I'm going to follow them. Um, uh, but I think also leaders have a, uh, I guess part of, part of the role these days is, is helping them also, helping people connect to the bigger picture. Um, you've got to be real. You've got to be authentic. You've got to be honest and, and say, you know what, things are pretty tough at the moment, but you've also be able, got to be able to, 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 to provide not necessarily hope, but a bit of clarity on the way forward and why are we doing this? What's, what's the sort of the purpose on, on this as well? And I think what we've experienced, ambiguity can create all sorts of, issues and challenges and, and, and sometimes can exacerbate a problem. But the really difficult uh, role for a leader is to create cl clarity in a really ambiguous and an uncertain environment. And, and so maybe, you know, as we, as we seek clarity, we're always looking for the answer. We're always looking for direction. Maybe sometimes we also need to be in a position where we can sort of take stock and, and understand that, well, you know, what's, what's the purpose? What are we moving towards? What's the common? What's the big picture? What's that, what's, that in, what's that sort of end state or that big impact that we're trying to create? Um, and, and knowing that there's always going to be an element of ambiguity and uncertainty along the way. Um, but I've got trust and faith with the people around me. So, so I think that the role of leaders these days is, is again, it's, it's really complex. It always has been complex. It's gone beyond just the hierarchical boss knows best to, to a very personalised um, uh, personalized approach. And I, and I think it's really difficult and challenging for leaders in, in these really complex times as well. I think we can't, we can't lose sight of that. So how do we... 
how do how do we best support leaders sometimes is, is sometimes the question. How do we not just always look at them and say, give me the direction, give me the answer, but what's more to support leaders as well? How do I affect that? Nice. And um, <clears throat> the word hope is particularly pertinent in these times, I would uh, I would imagine as well. I was thinking a little bit as well around like often. So, you know, you go and work with an organization and there'll be X number of people. And, 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 and it's about, as you said, growth and performance. And um, I wonder what, like how much kind of resistance or acceptance you found around, actually, this is how we're going to know when we've had impact. This is what we're going to measure this is what we're going to attend to because this sounds like, you know, some of the stuff you described there, like I might not be able to put trust in the spreadsheet. So there might not be a column that I can measure trust. And by the way, I'm, as it's a chemical reaction in the body, I'm sure we can, but like, how have you, you know, what have you demonstrated impact? What's the stuff that you've been proud of in that area? <clears throat> um, yeah. And I, and I think, um, you know, going back to your point about um, how do we know that we've sort of hit success or how do we, how have we created success? Um, uh, you know, if you look at, if you look at organisations and how they measure success, more often than not, it comes back to, 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 to financial status. Um, it comes back to that profitability word. Um, it comes back to comes back to the dollars, comes back to the numbers, and that's really easy because you you either have it or you don't. It's numbers, it's black or white, so it's it's easy easy to kind of measure that success. So you know, if you look at if you look at how organisations grow and continue to grow, um, you know, often it's often it's based on it's based on numbers, it's based on the financial status to the organisation. Um, but when you have those conversations around performance, you know, within the organisation, you know, the performance is so focused on hitting that target, hitting that, hitting that objective, hitting that, hitting that goal, whatever it was that we agreed 12 months ago, um, which is kind of obvious if you've hit it or not, you know, because it's usually a black and white numbers driven time sensitive kind of target. Right. So, so, so maybe the conversation needs to be less around hitting that target, whether I did or not hit that target, but, but how? how? How did I hit that? How do I continue to grow? How do I continue to, to make an impact? How, do, how, do, how does the organisation get the best out of me, knowing that I'm unique and I'm an individual compared to the, the, the other people around me and the team around me? Um, so I think that's that's the first thing that I think is is ready to or is ripe to be to be looked at, and and the organisations that do really well are the ones that have those continuous conversations around development, you know, performance development, not just you know what you're doing, your sales targets, the numbers that you've hit, brilliant, great. That's kind of obvious because it's reported on, it's measured, right? But the the bit where there's that great opportunity to continue to grow is that that the how, the behaviours, the mindset. Um, uh, like you're saying, you know, trust. You know, if if we if we look at trust as a key component of how teams work, and organisations are are a complex makeup of teams of teams. 
So if we look at how teams work, trust is one of those really important components. If there's if there's not a lot of trust in a, in a team or a team of teams, how much does that hold back their performance? And 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 again, let's be clear: it's, performance is not the hitting of the targets; the way in which they 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 act to hit that that targets. If we know that trust is one of those key components that contributes to to, to high performance of a team. Um, you know, what are we doing to continue to, to, to grow and build and, and, and develop that trust, you know, within the teams? Um, uh, uh, do, how well do we communicate? How well do we know each other? How well do we know our strengths? Um, how, how do we leverage those strengths? Um, uh, the communication aspect, um, you know, if, if, if I, if I am, if I am connected to other people and, I've got awareness of what they're up to and, and the challenges that they're facing, then, then I'm breaking down some of those barriers. So, so trust might sort of build. So, um, you know, I think, and, and finally, I think also is that that connection, as I said previously, that purpose, you know, if we're, if we're all sort of in it together and we're all, we're all aligned to that common purpose, then I may not have full awareness of what's happening in that team on the other side of the building or on the other side of the planet. But I am aware that they are working on stuff which is all contributing to 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 a, to a common purpose. So I think the yeah the exciting the exciting projects that are the ones where um, there might be an organization or a sub-organization that's gone through a complete strategy rethink and they need to do they, they, they need some form of holistic systemic change and that's from not just the the way that they work but the people that are working on or within that plan as well which then creates a a great opportunity to be able to evolve to be able to adapt to be able to continuously develop um so again you know part of that plan is is numbers based you know here are the numbers here are the goals here are the objectives um but the exciting piece then comes into, well, how do we want the people to be? How do we want to interact? How do we want to behave? How do we share information? How do we, how do we, how do we learn from mistakes? How do we accept failure? How do we talk about failure or mistakes? Uh, but also how do we continue to learn from our strengths when we get it right? Let's, let's not forget that, you know, let's, let's celebrate those successes, but let's also learn from those successes as well. Hey, well so, tell everyone what you're up to at Call 37. Hi, Fletch. We're a teamwear brand based in the Northeast, from the sister company of Oddballs. We've got the largest sports sublimation factory in the UK and we've produced for the biggest brands in Europe over the past seven years. But with Call 37, our in-house brand, you can now access those prices direct to the customer. Why would people use Call 37? Uh, if I was to pick three, Fletch, it would be our lead time of three to four weeks, our price, which is lower than anybody else in the industry, and the fact that we're made here in the UK. What's the stuff you're most proud of at Core 37? Oh, there's loads of stuff, but the, the key one for me would be working for a company that, that genuinely believes in its own mission statement, which is to produce performance sportswear at an affordable price. And then underpinning that is the people. Everybody who works here is involved in grassroots sport in some way. And so we generally care about what we're doing here. Fletch, why do you want to partner with Call 37? Uh, apart from the fact you're a Geordie, uh, great people, uh, lots of people involved in sport, really affordable and top quality. Thanks for joining us, Wilkie. 
Anyone who wants to find out more can go and have a play on their website at core-37.com or they can reach out directly to Tom at core-37.com. What have you noticed? Like on average, like how much are people talking about strengths versus stuff going less well? And I'm really interested in that around like, I think a bit about like the classroom where language like I'm in the learning pits can be quite helpful because we then can talk about it's, you know, what is potentially a mistake actually becomes a learning moment. So to what extent do you see that that the people have clarity around that in an organization as opposed to, well, I don't want to tell anyone I've, I've messed up here and also like celebrate. And and I'm thinking in rugby as well, because yeah, you know, my sense is in rugby we've probably got the balance wrong there. We're actually not building on people's strengths enough. When stuff goes wrong, then we're often looking to blame someone, and we don't see it necessarily as a learning moment. What's your take on that from a from a business point of view? Uh, and and that helps no one. That helps no one. It doesn't help the individual because they're living in a world of fear. It doesn't help the people around them because they're they're potentially now put at risk because of potential mistakes that are being made. So. So I, I think you know, coming back to the, you know, the strengths and the, and, and the weaknesses piece is that well, how do we how do we best leverage those strengths in an environment where we can say well let's continue to learn let's continue to to, to grow let's continue to understand how your strengths connect with other people's strengths and how do we leverage that and when something doesn't quite go wrong, well what what did we? What can we learn from that based on our own strengths? So you know, did I was I in the best position to be able to utilize it? Was there something going against me? What were the barriers that were in place? Um, I don't think we do it well enough. I think we talk about it a lot. I, I think it's a great opportunity to be able to to do more on that from in in the corporate world and really build on that that strengths piece and understanding that every. Every individual that has unique superpowers and how do you sort of unleash those unique superpowers? But the the easy and the more traditional corporate way of doing things is let's let's fit every everyone into a bunch of boxes that exist inside the competency framework. And when we've got that, then we can have a conversation about what they're what they're strong at and what they're not so strong at. And let's focus their development on closing the gaps. I've got two questions. Uh, you can choose to answer one or both of them. Uh, one is, give me an example of where you've seen strengths done really well. The second question is, what were you thinking about when you said um, connect people up with other people's strengths? So I think that's fascinating. I, I'm thinking of my world of sport as well and going, how often do you know? And, and look, the, the plain facts are teams that win World Cups have really good combinations of strengths. So Marnon, who plays with Conrad Smith, lots. And they, you know, they know intuitively what the other person's going to do and what they can't do, and they maximize that. So you can go for both or you can go for one. But um, yeah, what uh, what did what were you thinking about when you said about connecting your people's strengths? And then also what yeah, give me a, a live example of of where you've seen strengths celebrated well or or how. So I think the, um, the 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 connecting up people's strengths. You know, there's plenty of examples the, uh, that the corporate world can learn from high performance sport or or, or military 
or all the other high performance environments. And, and there's a lot that's starting to, to appear around that, that strengths-based approach uh, and that collective profile. Um, so I think that's where there's a, there's a great opportunity uh, that exists in, in the corporate space. And I'm trying to think of an example of where I may have seen it. Um, where there, there was uh, there was an attempt. In fact, one one organisation, um, there was a great attempt to to get to that that point in which the, the combinations are working really well, as you're talking about from a rugby perspective, um, because their approach is um, we value uniqueness, we value everybody as an individual. Um, we're very diverse. Diversity is is, is our strength. So we we recruit people based on their their individual their individualness and their individual attributes um but as long as they sit within this box all right here's the box that we want them to sit within because we've mapped out what are the what are the, what are the skills what are the things that we need an individual has so we'll, we we still want them to fit within that box so we're kind of in this organization we, we kind of part way towards being able to be in a position where we can truly uh, leverage those those strengths off each other, but I think if we were to take it up to the next level, we wouldn't have those boxes. We we may not even have those defined job descriptions. We we might be in a position to be able to understand. So here's my my team makeup. Here's the profile that I've got. It's really diverse. Um, here are the strengths that I've got. Here are the combinations that I've got. What would what would take it up to the next level? And and maybe maybe even just having conversations with different people and explore that diversity without any form of constraint. Of here's the box that I need to fit somebody within, could could be an opportunity to take that up um, because we know that we know now that that diversity of thinking is is really powerful. Um, and so we don't want to hire people that fit necessarily. Maybe we want to hire people, bring people in that um, that challenge, um, because that's what then creates a, a, a stronger environment. So I think it's 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 getting there. People are talking about it a lot. Um, Organisations have that great opportunity to, to to do it, but I don't think we've quite yet nailed it in the corporate space. Nice. And actually you're going to, this is going to roll in nicely to episode two, which is Dave Slemon and he'll talk about recruitment and he's got a four stage process where he thinks people basically start at point three, as opposed to doing one and two around maybe he'll make the decision. I like uh, the mind flick stuff around who's, you know, what's the empty chair we currently have. So for, for, for box replaced chair um what are the skills that would make this team even better what you know what is it a diversity of thought or skills or you know what strengths are we currently missing that would really benefit this team um so me and slems are going to explore that where's um where's coaching and the sports stuff fitted in with you in your business life yeah it's um uh I, uh, I, I mentioned earlier that I think that the great opportunity for, for leaders these days is that they're, they're, they work in a really complex environment. There's so much pressure on leaders. Um, uh, they 
they have a really difficult, really difficult situation because uh, they're dealing with human beings, and human, every human being has its own challenges. So I think, you know, I think coaching, coaching from a sports context again is one of those great lessons that we can transfer across into the corporate space. Um, yeah, there's, um, it's interesting. There's a lot of there's executive coaching. Right, so so the big wigs get the opportunity to to be engaged by an executive coach because the big money is there and the organisations can pay for that to happen. But there's very little that tends to happen around team coaching, um, and this is where I think again that, that there's an opportunity in in the corporate space. Um, uh, it's not just coaching leaders to be to be at their very best; it's coaching teams to be at their very best. Rarely. Rarely do you, do you have a team that has a coach as well as a leader or a, or a captain or, or a manager in the corporate space. More often than not, it's the role of the manager to act as the, as the coach within the, within the corporate space. So does that present that great opportunity to be able to say, do you know what, um, as part of my learning and development budget, um, uh, let's bring in a coach. Coach to, to, to coach the team, um, not just coach the leaders. Um, uh, the leader is part of that team. The manager is part of that team. So, so I think that's that's a fascinating opportunity for the corporate space to, to explore a little bit further. Um, because we do work in teams of teams, we are dispersed. It's Again, it's a really complex environment. Um, we're moving towards a hybrid approach in many organisations. So how do you create those connectivity? How do you how do you enhance the connect the connectedness by making sure the connectivity is really cool, but but also how do we make sure everyone's still just moving towards that that common common picture? So I think there's I think there's there's so many lessons the corporate world can learn from the sports world, um, and that that player led team coaching environment I think is one of those opportunities where the, the corporate world. Um, can really explore that. Some some do it. Some teams do it really well. Some corporate teams do it really well. Some uh, organisations do it really well. Um, and I think they've jumped onto something um, for a couple of years. I think they can get better at it. Um, but then you've still got many organisations that exist that sit within the the, the, the more industrial era, boss knows best, um, uh, hierarchical type of environment. Um uh, maybe they're right for a bit of change. I like the analogy of the, the team having a coach. Obviously, it fuels all my biases. I also like the analogy <laughs> that they might need a physio as well. So, especially in these current times, that you know, maybe the physio just looks after their well-being and some of the stuff because it's it's tough at the moment for lots of people. You know, doing as well being on the Zoom or on your own, away from the team, and you spoke about that connection and you know that's we're missing a lot of that stuff well i think that, i think you're right mate and and again if you look at those uh those high performing environments whether it be sport whether, whether it be military or even even you know, high performing corporate teams um it's a holistic environment it, it's not just it's not just about the team the operational team it's about all the support mechanisms as well so you know, again, going back to the, the the role of of the leader, maybe it is about nurturing that entire holistic sort of performance environment, making sure that there's those support mechanisms in place that can help people be at their very best. And 
whether it be the the, the, the physio or it be the, the the mental strengthening coach or whether it be the um, whether it be the strength and conditioning guy, you know, take that sort of uh, analogy, transfer into the corporate space, and 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 every team doesn't work in isolation. Every team works as part of a team of teams. So, what are those other support mechanisms that exist? So, yeah, again, I think I think there's uh, that sort of an environment. You know, maybe we can learn from that environment and transfer a little bit more across. I like the idea of having my own PT. That would be good. What um, <laughs> and, and what about you? So, what's the stuff that you you do to kind of grow and keep performing? What's the yeah? What's the things that you found helpful? Uh, kids, kids are a great source of, of of being able to sort of you know bring you back down to planet Earth sometimes and and, and help you learn. And and I think with that. It's the learning how to learn and, and being being continuously curious. Um, I think is always kind of cool. Um, there's a lot of content that's out there. There's a lot of there's a lot of great content that's out there. There's probably a lot of fluff that's out there as well. Um, so I think when you when you're curious, you can sort of dive into it. You can explore it. And you can see whether or not it's a it's relevant. B is it is it is it real? Is it is it factual? Does does it actually work? Is there evidence behind it? So so I think having having that approach to to explore continuously to, to sort of explore things quite openly um, allows you to be able to then uncover whether or not a it's relevant or or, or, or and b it's real. Um, uh, I think also just engaging with with a lot of people and looking outside of your own your own comfort zone. So one of the, one of the reasons why, you know, we looked at leaving um, one of the roles that I had was that I'd been in the role for, for, for quite a long period of time. Um, and it was starting to become really apparent to me that if I'm becoming quite blinkered in my approach and I can't see outside of my own space, then that's potentially having an effect on, on the people around me and the team around me and the teams that, that, that I, that I work with. So, so being able to, to be in a position to, to, to not just look in the mirror every day and say, well, what am I doing? What am I learning? How, how am I going? But to, to kind of open up that window every now and then and then go and engage with people completely beyond your comfort zone, uh, you know, outside of your own industry, outside of your own expertise and, and explore what, what it is that they do. You know, it's a great way to learn. It's a great way to be able to sort of bring that back and say, hey, that's kind of cool. Um, what happens out there is kind of cool. I hadn't realised that. How can that, how can that affect me? How can, I, how can I get something out of that? So I think, yeah, that's a... Any, any stuff recently I, that you've noticed in the field next door where the grass is a little bit greener, where you're thinking, oh, there, that was a really helpful book. Oh, they've got a good podcast over there. Any stuff that, uh, that, that springs to mind or... Well, they've got a theory over there that I hadn't, uh, I hadn't heard of that one. <laughs> um, oh, what's what's jumped out lately? Um, I've started I've started reading Barack Obama's book, The Promised Land, um, and I think uh, I think diving diving back into into you know what was his journey is is. I find quite fascinating, quite interesting. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not necessarily politically connected to, 
to any right way of doing through any way of doing things but again i think you know there's a there's a journey there that an individual has gone on that people can learn from um uh, and i think also you know that question that that i was supposed to ask myself you know if i was still jumping out of perfect airplanes what would i do differently um don't don't hold back is a great lesson that i think is starting to appear and i'm only sort of part way through it but you know, don't hold back. Continue to move towards something that's uh, that's kind of powerful, and I think that's that's kind of cool. That's a good lesson for for anybody in any walk of life. You know, just just keep moving forward towards something that you mm. that you believe in, um, and and you know, what can you grab along the way? What can what what can you learn along the way? Who can you talk to that can give you a little bit of sense sometimes, or a bit of an advice and guidance? And that's kind of cool. Nice. Yeah, I would endorse that. I think often we, as you said earlier, we're thinking that growth is this thing that happens in a formal workshop every six months. And actually, if it's happening day to day and you spoke a bit about awareness and you're becoming more aware of where you can, what can influence you, what's having success when I tried this, then that's just normal. And, And clearly you need to exist in an environment where they see stuff going wrong as experiments and learning opportunities then i mean that would if that was just normal then how how cool would that be well i think and 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 this is where you know we don't need to make things complicated um and sometimes you know there's the, the, the simple life is the beautiful life but um how often how often when people go and do a uh, are in a meeting or in a presentation and they come out the end of that presentation and they turn to their their, their, their mate, their colleague, their coworker, their peer, their boss, and they say, "How did that go? What do, what, what do we need to do? What, what do we need to do differently? Um, what will work next time?" You know, just a, just a couple of questions at the end of a presentation or at the end of a meeting um, can potentially be part of that embedding it into the way of how learning happens in a corporate world. Yeah, you know, the next the the next level is well before that moment before that performance moment of that meeting or that presentation what are we doing to practice so we bring in this sort of that continuous cycle of okay we we play in the meeting so we perform then we have a look at it afterwards we analyze it then then we think about what do we need to do differently and how do we build that into practicing before we get to the next meeting And and i think those those simple actions can actually be embedded into the way of work so you don't have a learning culture and a work culture. You just have a culture. You just have a way of work. It's just that learning deeply embedded into it. Nice. And what about you? So last thing, like what, what next? What's on the what's on the horizon? Trapped in a house with with kids on computers. Uh, anything like mine, like one computer between two today. <laughs> that was a good challenge. Um, what's, uh, what's the plan? I hear you. I hear you're setting up your own business. What's going on? Yeah, well, I've, I mean, I think the the the, the longer uh, the, the the longer term intent um, is uh, let's let's move towards something that we can we can be be happy and live a fulfilling sort of a life. I think in order to get there, we've got to kind of kind of navigate the chaos that we're in. Um, I think the shorter the shorter term is, you know, let's let's get comfortable with the limited bandwidth that we've got in the house or the broadband bandwidth that we've got in the house, 
Um, uh, and, and I think from a business perspective, um, yeah, there's, there's so many teams and organizations out there in, the, in that world of work. Um, in fact, just out there in, in any sort of realm that we consider that must be going through a lot of turmoil and chaos and, and kind of you know, sitting in that unknown state. And I think that presents a great opportunity for them to be able to sort of sit back and go, you know what, we, we, we don't, we know we need to do things differently. We're just not necessarily sure what they need to be. Um, and that's a great time to say, well, let's explore it uh, and let's, let's go down, let's go on a little bit of a, an exploration together. And, and as we explore, we then discover. And when we discover, then we can start to, 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 to then sort of unpack and create some, some potential ways in, in which we can sort of get out of this or, or, or maintain that momentum and, and move forward. So I think there's there's some great opportunities for organisations and teams to, to be able to do that and actively do that and take action on doing that and and for leaders to nurture that environment. So so to me that that seems a pretty exciting time ahead. I don't think 2021 is going to be uh, rosy and 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 uh, and the year that we're you know kind of hoping for in comparison to 2020. I think it's still going to be pretty challenging this year. But, but now's the time to, to not sit on our hands. Now's the time to not say, oh, we'll just sort of hunker down and we'll just try and protect ourselves. I think now's the time to get a bit of that balance in and to say, do you know what, in order to protect ourselves longer term, what do we need to do differently? So, uh, so I think that's pretty exciting. Nice. And I, I'm working with two businesses in TG and Abbott that have been really proactive in this area. And I agree with you that 2021 is... Well, currently it's a worse start than 2020. Uh, <laughs> um, <clears throat> yeah, it just shows. I mean, actually, the people that think like that, that start to think about their people and how do we adapt and what what might we need to change and, and what are our strengths and what makes us unique and how do we keep leveraging that are the ones that are going to get through this in one piece, quite frankly. Well, and I, and I think we've all we've all discovered along the way that there is no... Uh, there is no one one right answer to this. The 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 the, the one the one size fits all approach is the one size fits none. Um, it, it's it, every organisation and every team is unique in its own way. So it's about learning, looking out the window and seeing what other people are doing and learning from that. But being able to say, well, okay, well, what's what's relevant to us? What is it that, that that's unique to us? What do we need? Um, uh, and, and how can we use this as an opportunity to be able to do maybe something that we've never thought of doing before or we've, we've never had the opportunity before and, and can we do that? Um, uh, you know, you, you, hear, uh, you hear those horrible sort of stories or that, that information starting to come out about the number of hours that people are working when they're working from home are, are increasing and it's kind of like, well, how is that? How is that healthy? How is that possible? You know, surely if we're, if we've got more time and space, we can best utilize that in order to, to, to work on ourselves rather than work on the objective or work on the project or work on the target. You know, let's, what are we doing about working on ourselves as a team or as an organization? I think that that's where the opportunities uh, present themselves. That's where we can be a little bit more human in our approach and avoid the burnout, avoid the, 
the, the, the, the sort of the, the dark modes of poor performance where we can say, right, how do we, how do we regain the momentum on? And then once we've got it, how do we maintain it? How do we keep moving forward? Nice. And uh, yeah, as, as, as I was saying, I think both those businesses have also gone, they're performing, but they're also taking this time for development. And they've actually, in, in, in Abbott's situation, they've introduced some pretty strict protocols around when you can, when you, you're not allowed to be on your computer. Um, and actually, I'll give a shout out to Stu Guys with hockey. My, he's a strong boss. And the, one of the first things he said when we caught up in the new year was people aren't going to spend as much time this year as they did last year on Zoom. It's not good for us. We we need to find another way. Mate, it's been fascinating as ever. Um, I'm excited to get the minutes from the board meeting with the kids over dinner tonight. <laughs> I think it'll be critical that we can then get some actions for tomorrow for them to uh, to the them to get on with. Uh, really appreciate your time. Loads of loads of notes for me, and I'm sure for other people. If people want to reach out to you, are you online? I think you're you're not on like a TikTok or Instagram. Are you uh, are you on uh, LinkedIn? Are you a LinkedIn kind of guy? LinkedIn is probably the best mechanism at the moment um, as things start to grow. I'm still trying to sort of get you get comfortable with the whole sort of social media space. So the 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 appearance on Instagram is starting to grow. Um, I need to get some tips off off you, mate. Um, you're you're a bit of a, a social expert. So uh, LinkedIn is probably the best place. Yeah, by social expert you mean like political anarchist. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> mate, look, have a cool day. Awesome to chat, and mate, we really appreciate uh, episode one done. It's a wrap. Yeah, you too, mate. Look after yourself. Take care.